Monday of game week, it's just different. It hits different. It feels different. It's uh, something that has been in my blood my whole life. So when you listen to Red Dirt music, it's like that last Rebel sound to me. It is a combination of uh, Southern rock and jazz and uh, bluegrass. And, and for Skip Bayless to come out and say, I don't feel bad for him and kind of belittle him and say, how dare you? How dare you as the leader of America's team show weakness? Honestly, I want to say what I want to say. This is the Sam Mays Podcast. Welcome. I'm Sam Mays. And today we're talking Keegan. See, now you got to just keep it's it It's in going. my head. It's key. Yeah. yeah. Sooner, it's, Sooner's wire. It's Keegan Renault. Managing editor of Sooner's Wire, powered by USA Today. That is it. There it is. That is it. We're here. Like, we practiced that a little bit prior to the podcast starting, and that's what I did as a professional in this industry. I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> and I got in my own head about your uh, lengthy, prestigious... Yeah, I wouldn't say prestigious. I mean, let me not prestige, but it's, it's regal. Yeah. Right? So it's got a we, little bit of a... We've got a pretty good audience, like... 50 to 60% of our traffic every day are people that come back. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Nice. Well done. Well, I'm proud of you. Keegan was a former intern with the franchise, which is the uh, radio station I work for here in Oklahoma City, and he has come a very long ways and probably one of my, I would say, top three, top four uh, most respected media members, in my opinion, here um, when it comes to covering college football. You know, uh, Keegan is a former baseball player. Um, someone who, did you play any football? I did. So we, uh, I talked with Wes and Rufus about this after the podcast. Okay. I only kicked for the football team. Okay. But my junior year, I had to do scout team stuff. Okay. And I made sure I was really good. I was one of those guys. I had to make sure I practiced. Oh, the try-hard guy. Yeah. 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 I was always that guy. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But uh, what you've done here since getting into the media, though, is really start to learn football from a, a grassroots perspective. You uh, are always texting me. You've got a ton of people that are, are giving you information. But the way that you study on your own is probably what's most impressive to me. And, and we watch these Oklahoma games. Your breakdown during the game, after the game, absolutely exceptional. So um, I'm proud of you, man. And thank you for your time. Absolutely. I'm looking, always looking forward when I come on. Um, Oklahoma, obviously, in a position now where, I mean, people are talking, can they run the table? I am... I am a believer in Lincoln Riley. I am a believer in Bill Bedenboe, and not because it's some sort of magical thing for me, right? I've seen the proof, right? That they do nothing but get better each and every week. The starting point varies. And I, you and I talked the other day, and I told you, I mean, th- this is the conversation we were having about uh, the offensive line at Oklahoma uh, with Kyler Murray at the helm in the first three games was, wow, this is a little bit underwhelming. It's disappointing. Mm-hmm. They're not playing well. Two games later... They figure it out, and they get on the path to becoming the best offensive line in the country. Yeah, win the Joe Moore Award. Right. And so it's – I'm looking at this team now, and, yeah, they lost to Kansas State and they lost to Iowa State. But if you're noticing, they keep getting better. And it's an it's in inches better versus feet better this season. But I think COVID has a lot to do with that. So I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that we're not going to watch Oklahoma take the field this week against TCU and just beat the shit out of them, honestly. I, I, I would find that hard right now. I mean, you've blown, what, 21-point lead, an 11-point lead in Ames, and then a 14-point lead to Texas. Right. So, 
anything can really happen. And obviously, we have the you know old, the TCU game from Kansas State on. But yeah, I mean, can they run the table? Can they get better? I guess my rebuttal back to you is: How much does Chris Murray add to that conversation? So Chris Murray adds a ton to the conversation, right? This is the transfer from UCLA. Uh, plays guard, center, both guards and center, or just both he, guards? He's, he played guard, at, right guard at UCLA. So the kid is very, very talented. It reminds me a lot of a uh, quick guard that I played with by the name of Chris Aikens back in, in the day. Just super mobile, great with his hands, understands his technique, and last year he was only a sophomore playing in the Pac-12. This kid is is the real deal, and I can't imagine won't be a pretty significant improvement uh, in that right guard position for Oklahoma and I can't imagine that it's going to be a very slow transitioning phase. Like, he's going to get some time this weekend, and he'll be the starter. Right? I agree with I mean, that. Unless, now look, you know, I, I would have told you that Hayes and, and Robinson would have been a little bit better this year based off of what we knew a year ago. Mm-hmm. But COVID, I think, has hurt them. I think they showed up too big, and I think there's some some developmental issues. This kid has gone through the same things that they have. So, But from what I'm hearing, he, he seems to be extremely impressive and ready to go. He does, and I, I think whenever you hear Lincoln Riley talk, he immediately just goes to the fact, yeah, we think he's got a chance to contribute this year. Always throws that in at the end. So I think Oklahoma thinks that, and then you, you talk about you know Robinson and Hayes and, and COVID and, and all those things. I just, I don't know, with their experience and how many snaps those guys played a year ago, right? it just, I don't know, there's just something, there's some, obviously something up at that position, more Hayes than Robinson, right? Right, it, uh, I would agree. It's a... Uh, no, and then you insert Chris Murray in the conversation, and I guess then this always has been my question to you, and I, you've heard me say this on air, is that Oklahoma's only been able to run the football with two tight ends on the line of scrimmage right. successfully. You add Chris Murray to the conversation, and he starts being able to maul people and do the things that he does. Can Oklahoma run the football and get three wide receivers lined up outside? Right. And there you go. There's your explosive offense. I think that's been the biggest hundred percent detriment to this team is the fact that they cannot run the football with just 10 personnel or 11 and right. just get after them. It is Lincoln Riley's offense is the size of a planet when he is able to run the football with just five offensive linemen at the line of scrimmage. When he is able to do that, they absolutely are one of the most versatile and diverse offenses you will see in college football and probably one of the most in college football history. And you can prove that by just looking at the statistics over the last five years. This is the first year where they haven't had a real, I mean, it's not, they don't have a run game. It's they don't, they don't have any run game. And I would say there's been a little bit of improvement the last couple of games that we've seen, but those initial games, bro, like they're not, there's no run game. They didn't run against Missouri state. Right. And when you start talking about formations and limiting Lincoln Riley, and maybe some of the inconsistency you've seen out of him this year, a lot goes into, if you can't run the football, like imagine not being able to run the football or for example, for me, it was pass protect my senior season. We go into it with four returning starters. All of us are all conference caliber players. One new guy. He could not man protect all we could do the entire season, slide right, slide left, wedge. Bro, we had no four receiver sets. We had no explosive mm-hmm. down the field plays because we couldn't do it. We literally couldn't do it based off of one player. And most fans don't get that. But your offensive line dictates literally everything that you're going to be able to do from the way that you line up to the plays that you're calling. It does. And you talk about with Lincoln and the H-backs and how right. much success they've had. I mean, go back to 2018, and I know Jeremiah Hall wasn't ready yet. Um, I, Braden Willis had maybe been a freshman in 2019, but Carson Meyer was it. Right. And 
props. Yeah, I think he's still getting a cup of coffee in the NFL. Props to him. I mean, guy that he obviously didn't. He made big catches when he needed to, but he blocked really well out of the H back position. Yeah, and Dimitri Flower in twenty seventeen. Yeah, just a freak, right? Such a versatile player. I thought he was going to be much more in the NFL because of all that versatility. It's just a lost position. It is, it's unfortunately. A, but with Oklahoma, I just, I think the explosive plays can come there once, like you said, and it's the running the football is the, the biggest aspect of what he's been able to do. I mean, the guard counter stuff in 2018, they just murdered people. Right. And they're just not doing, they're not moving people this year unless you get Jeremiah Hall in the end or Austin Sogner on the end at times. But I, I think they, they definitely can open up. But I just mentioned a name with Austin Stogner, he does alleviate some of those problems because they can throw the football over the middle of the field. Right. And Jalen Hurts, if there was one thing last year, and you've heard the, me criticize him as, mu- as much as anybody, he did not throw over the middle of the field right. at all. Went to no part of it. And right. now they've got a target that can really do it. And I think that's alleviated some of those issues, but you're going to go up against the Gary Patterson defense this week. And if his main goal, which it tip, if his main goal isn't this week to confuse Spencer Rattler as much as possible, then Oklahoma should have a lot of success. But. Yeah, no, I, I would agree to that 100%. You know, Rattler has proven to be an exceptional talent. I think he's proven to be everything that we uh, expected him to be coming in from an arm standpoint. Uh, and you know what? From a, being a bit of a, I don't know what if I want to call him a hothead or... Prima Donna. He, he, I mean, he's a bit of a prima donna. And you know what? He gets dialed in and he wants to go, 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 right? And I get it, right? That kid has got superstar written all over him. And that's the only thing he's thought about his entire football playing life, and he wants it now. Well, wanting it now has gotten him in trouble several times this year. Um, some pretty inexcusable interceptions where I'm like, how did you not see that person, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's, and that's him pressing. That's him wanting too much. I think if you recognize anything, clearly the relationship between Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler is something that's special. When Spencer gets benched at OU Texas and comes back in and plays the part, right? taking what the defense is giving him, making the right decision. It was exactly what he needed. And in 2020, I would have been scared to death to bench my starting quarterback <laughs> at that. Are you kidding me? A five, former five-star specifically. Right. Yeah, that would have been a lot. But, I mean, I, I would assume that since that game, you know, you've probably seen some, some improvement out of Spencer. Probably have. I, I mean, he obviously grew up at the end of the game. And if, you I mean, you look at 2015 with Baker when he was a reg- in his second or third year in college football – Third, third year in college football, he struggled with OU Texas. Right. Couldn't handle that pressure. Kyler Murray had two turnovers, really bad turnovers. I mean, threw right to a safety. And then Jalen struggled a year ago. I mean, the fact that he was able to bounce back, especially in overtime when Oklahoma needed him most, he was able to do it. Now, the plays that Lincoln was running was were ridiculous. I know you saw the, the little leak thing that they did in overtime. I mean, but the fact that Spencer was able to see it, read it, have the patience to make it work. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, I, kind of a question back to you on this, but, like, he knows who his targets are. In the second half, he was forcing throws to Theo Weiss, but it didn't matter because Theo Weiss was so good. He was forcing throws to Austin Stogner. Right. And Austin Stogner was so good. So, and he kind of talked about that this week or yesterday a little bit about, like, I know who my – I'm going to – you know, I need to get 10 the ball more. I'm going to do it. So the fact that he understands that now, if he can add in the understanding the scheme and finding guys that are open a lot, I mean, he's got a chance to be obviously. What do you? I mean, would you say up there with the at least not you know Jalen, but Kyler and Baker? Oh yeah, I mean th- this this kid's got Heisman potential, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, people think that 
when you say a, a, a young player has Heisman potential, that that's a, like an overstep. I, I would have told you that I thought Mason Rudolph had Heisman potential. Um, I, because, of, I mean, big kid, big arm, right? Uh, seemed to understand the game pretty well at a relatively young age. And let's see what they can do with the next three years, right? Spencer Rattler, absolutely uh, in that category. And, and probably even more so, right? So you're talking about uh, an ability with the ground game with him that is pretty damn good. I mean, it's mobile enough and... Uh, you know, the kid has got all the confidence in the world and he can make all the throws and you can tell he's already throwing it to a, a spot, mm-hmm. right? We didn't see Baker do that until his last year. Mm-hmm. That was the, that was probably the finishing touch of Baker Mayfield's career was when he learned how to throw that football to an area the size of a saltine. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing Rattler, you know, every fourth throw, you're like, whoa. Right. You know what I mean? Like it just, and it, they, it just keeps showing up. And that's going to become more consistent as he gets uh, older. But man, yeah, that, I'm going to say it again. Here we go, right? Another great mm-hmm. quarterback at Oklahoma. Yeah, he's he's really, really good. He's been obviously been that way since high school. Um, he obviously blew me away. You've heard me talk about him for three years now. It seems like I've right. been talking about him for since I've been doing this. But it's uh, he, he's obviously really, really talented. He mentally is getting close, I think. And then he's getting, you know, big test. I, you know, you're talking about Oklahoma going undefeated and run the table. I think if they can get past this weekend, they'll do it. I'm, I am, I don't have much confidence, and you've heard me say this. I don't, I don't have a ton of confidence down, down there with, you know, Spencer Rattler having a turnover. Defense always seems to either give up a big play when they can't, and Max Duggan's legs. They've got good, great skill position players. I don't know. The offensive line's not very good at TCU. That def- OU's defensive line's really good, but. I don't know. I don't have as much confidence. You heard me at the end of the week with Texas saying right. I had confidence Oklahoma would win because Herman would do what exactly well, Herman did. Absolutely, yes. He <laughs> Tom Herman, <laughs> which is a big. That was a big dick shot by you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're like they're going to win because Herman's going to screw this thing up, and sure as shit. I mean, yeah. I mean, just ridiculous. Fourth and ones, not running the football. Good Lord, that dude sucks so bad. I I had a, a literally a whole page Facebook post about this. Like he needs to, like he needs to go. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Do you see his antics on the sideline? Yeah, he watched the game. He's a oh. joke. Yeah, he's a joke. Uh, Calling it OU Texas weekend. That was that no. bothered me. That bothered me as a former player in this league. What are you doing? Like we have traditions. Would Barry? What would what would happen if Barry Switzer was his? he? OU fans would have packed his back. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just called it, it Texas and, OU week, and, and maybe that's Texas fans' fault. Right, maybe that's their fault that they just allow him to act like that. Oh, uh, I don't think they're allowing it anymore. God, if you've heard any of the eyes of Texas chatter. stuff and the big oh, money yeah. donors talking down there, it's it's a crazy world down in Austin right now. I don't imagine that they're going to win many football games the rest of the year. Seems I, like everything's just lost. I just can't imagine interviewing that dude and thinking, oh yeah, he's going to be a perfect fit here for Texas. I can't imagine that. Were you at 20? No, you were, yeah, 2018, Big 12 Mini Days. It was yes. my first one when yes. he did the. I tweeted uh, out, he was the most punchable person I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. He So he did the filibuster about the guys lifting weights and how much weight like the yeah. they've gained on strength and all this. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay. And then Kirk Bowles goes, Tom, how many All Americans do you think you guys have? And he didn't have an answer for it. Right. Just, he, he doesn't, I mean, that's a softball. I mean, right. you know, but. Uh, I don't, yeah, it's, Kurt, there's several of them that have all-American potential, right? Mm-hmm. It's Texas. I mean, I, I could do that coach speak right now. Like, <laughs> I just don't – yeah, it, it's embarrassing. But he did Tom Herman it. He did, yeah. Gary Patterson's not going to do that this weekend. No, he's not. It's going to be – so, obviously, Meacham, I, 
screw this up probably. I believe it's Doug Meacham's their offensive coordinator is, now. Is it? Is it him? Uh, yeah. It, it's one of the two. It's one of two people. They had two offensive coordinators. Didn't Cumbie go to Kansas? It it could become. It, that's why it could be Cumbie. Yeah, I think Cumbie's in Kansas. I think you're right about Meacham. Um, the Google machine. Here we go. But. I mean, they run a system that you talk about. You heard me say last week, if Texas would have just thrown the football basically every time, go four wide, five wide, or right. empty, that's what their Oklahoma's going to get this weekend. They're not going to get a bunch of H-backs on the line of scrimmage. They're not going to get a bunch of tight ends in the game. TCU's going to try to spread them out as much as possible. I mean, as far as, I mean, Duggan is concerned, is he the quarterback that's going to be able to manage something, an attack like that? Who's So my question back to you is who's who in Oklahoma's – linebackers and secondary is going to be able to tackle Max Duggan in the open field. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that that defensive front is one significantly better than I think. It's Cumbie, by the way. You're, it's Cumbie? Yeah. Okay. So Meacham went to Kansas. Can, yeah, Meacham went to Kansas. Yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I would say Oklahoma's defensive front is going to have quite a bit of success. I think the linebackers are probably going to get a look at that kid that they traditionally aren't used to at Oklahoma just based off of how much space – those dudes are eating up in the middle. And I, it's a, the balance between Winfrey and those guys that's unique is they still rush the passer, but they eat up offensive linemen mm-hmm. in the run game. Like, they eat them up. And it's, I don't know if it's just the size or the way that they're – or they're, maybe they're just taught better. Um, they've improved in the way they're teaching that, that scheme or just being in it another year, whatever it might be. Uh, those guys are doing a pretty impressive job against the run, but not giving up a whole lot as far as that interior pass rush is concerned. So – um, I think the linebackers will, will have a look at him that should allow them some success. They, they should. I, I'm just not like Deshaun White. You saw him get juked out twice, right. once by Sam Ellinger, and then once Which out on like the edge. saying that some, I juked somebody out. Yeah, it's not wasn't a good look on first and ten or third and long whenever that happened. But, right. um, I, you know, it's, it's a unique matchup just from the aspect of, can my biggest two questions, can Spencer Rattler not turn the football over? Don't give TCU any confidence and let them stick around in a game like this. I mean, they're searching for a win as well. And then who's going to stop Max Duggan in the running game? And like you said, um, you know, the defensive line does eat up a lot. Perrion Winfrey, I mean, was taking on double teams all weekend last weekend or all during the OU Texas game. So I'm just, I don't know. I, I That aspect of spreading them out and a quarterback being able to run. And I, don't, right. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've seen this story before. I yeah. mean, Max Duggan I mean, ran just, on Oklahoma last year. Doing that is, yeah, you're 100% right. Doing that, though, means that you're going to win a bunch of one-on-one battles up front. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're counting on their offensive linemen to be five up, you know, and if I'm, I'm adding, you know, you add uh, Benito to the mix – and you're unbelievable, t- right? Right. And you're oh. saying that we're going to block all these dudes. You know, you're going to have one double team. So now who are you, you going to choose a double team? I have no idea. And Oklahoma, the way Oklahoma stunts and twists, have you right. seen a, def- have you seen a defense? I know it's this new tight defense yeah. that a lot of people are running. I don't care for that that much, man, because, but I played on a zone scheme offense that, and all of us were old. We grew up together. So like, you're stunting and slanting and all that. Please do it. It's and it's, if you did it at the frequency that Oklahoma does it, now it's just a part of our day. Like it's not going to impact us at all. Mm-hmm. Give me that a third of the time they do it. Make me anticipate it or think about it or be looking for little things. Well, then it's probably more effective. But doing it as much as they do, it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, this is zone right. We're all taking the same damn step. Big sweeping. You know, get that hip open to the right side. If something hits you in the side, block it. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not a, I don't find it difficult. A lot of teams clearly do uh, today, but you notice that Kansas State, they don't have a problem with those things. You no, know what I mean? they don't. Iowa State typically doesn't have a problem with those things. Um you know, I don't. Oklahoma State. Iowa State won't. did this year. They got they, they got manhandled. Yeah, they up did. Front. They got beat up. Benito beat the absolute well, I think piss out of that tackle. They, yes, they absolutely got beat up this year. But it's not their their normal sure. scheme. No, you know, yeah. they they handle those things pretty well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I like it that much because the other thing is they don't have a whole lot of depth either. Now you're making me move around a lot. Half the being a big man on the football field on either side of it is managing <laughs> your energy level. Right, that power meter is going down from snap one. And you, you just know how to, is it like if you're as an offensive lineman, if you're thinking finish this block, well, now you have to, you know, what are my chances of flat backing this guy? Well, if, if it's in, if I got a chance and go for it, if not finishing the block is finishing the block. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you have to maintain your energy level to a degree. And I feel like all that stunting and stimming and moving, it just takes an edge off of them after a while. Right. I, I see that there, there goes the quote. I don't, I didn't ever played it. Right. I never played the position. I, you know, I'm, I can sit here and tell you what's going on in these plays and what guys should be doing, but you start talking about technique and right. all these things, Sam. I, I there's no idea. They when I walked up there, we were talking about it earlier. When I walked up, and they were like, "Okay, well, we have a ton of skill position guys. So if you want to go play offensive line, you can." And they're like trying to nudge me to go play offensive line, right. class A football, and I was like. You know, I've got a future in baseball. I'm not going to go do that. <laughs> yeah, but you uh, don't want contact every single play. Yeah, no, but I, you know, I, I it, it does create a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. for whoever's stunting, whichever defensive lineman's coming around, right. or you know, whichever linebackers filling the space on the slant. I just don't. I don't. I guess this would be my ultimate question: is when you look towards the NFL, does that allow does the way you play along your defensive line? help your guys get a better look at the NFL or would a just going to beating your guy one-on-one like what Rufus was saying yeah. you know what I'm saying it's yeah. it's just like with Neville now did you see Neville play Monday night yeah oh. he looks big and he looks physical yeah he beat he, he beat up that center a couple yeah. times so I don't know I don't know if it's conducive to producing NFL you know talent caliber talent I mean all those dudes get, as soon as they leave Oklahoma in the defensive front they get bigger because they have to like mm-hmm. that's you know, if there's anything that's preventing them from really giving a, an accurate look at who they might be in the next level, it's the fact they all got to play 20 pounds less here, right? I mean, they have to. They do. Yeah, I mean, you're that that especially with the limited depth they have, um, you, know, you, you just really feel like they've got to play a little bit lighter. Perry and Winfrey's a 310 pound, you know, nose guard, and a three four defense that would just be devastating. In the next, I mean, I'm talking Casey Hampton just, type just devastating. Line up in a zero and go get yeah, after and it. And just go, because he's just so damn mobile. And the kid's got eight foot arms. And yeah, he's a big human being. He looks like a an alien. Mm-hmm. He wears those white gloves and those, I mean, he's it's crazy how big that his kid is. His hands on that block, his hands are massive. Yeah, just a, he's just a big giant man. And, he, <laughs> and he's got plenty of room to grow. You just can't play like that at Oklahoma. Like, you can't be that heavy. But they're landing top guys now. I know. That, to come but play. But you look at the NFL. Look at the best defensive tackles in the NFL. They're not 310-pounders. Yeah. You know, Aaron Donald is a 200 – how much do you think that dude 285, weighs? 285, Maybe. Yeah. Right? And he's – and his body fat is probably 3%. You, you see know? the video of his sister no. flexing? She's got the same traps. That he does? Oh, oh that's, she's massive. Oh. But uh, – Why did you sound excited about that? I, have you seen – like, when a, <laughs> someone can do that, especially when you're not expecting to, and they just have massive traps – I don't know. That was a little weird, I guess. Um, Turn on a little bit. No, no, no. no. (laughs) 
But uh, no, yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting conversation because you hear Rufus's complaints about it. I know Rufus complains about everything. everything yeah. But uh, I, I, you hear his complaints, but you also hear you know from you know other coaches and um, that have talked about playing like Tom Herman on during his press conference. Now I don't know why he would ever say this, but he goes, "We had a real problem with it." And right. it seems like everybody against this tight front that everybody's running, not everybody, but Iowa State runs it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the successful defenses that can stop the spread. Right. This is what they run. Hello, SEC. Um, hello, SEC. By the way, I don't know. You said 40 minutes. Maybe you'll give me five minutes like Brady did just to go off on my my SEC stuff, which is the defenses right now and how everybody's perceiving them. Right. But uh, I'm kind of joking around. No, the, no, you're, the, it, it, the, uh, the SEC rant that uh, everybody's got one. Oh, yes. Everybody's, everybody's got one. There's no question. They, uh, it's, it's the thing that keeps them do, do, in that conversation though, is just the number of people they have drafted. I mean, bottom line for sure. Yeah. No, uh, oh, absolutely. They, uh, you know, it's, but Oh, well, the way Oklahoma defensively this weekend, I just don't, I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence because we saw what LSU did against them in the spread. I'm not saying this offense against for TCU's anywhere near what that is. If Texas would have done it a week ago, they would have won. And then now you're going to have a team that's going to spread you out even more with a running quarterback. I know Oklahoma had success against it a year ago, but there were a lot of drops in that game. Right. Um, wide receivers dropped a lot of passes. And... This, they do have a good, you know, we're seeing the drive before halftime. That's the one. If, I, if I'm TCU, I run that offense the entire game. Yeah. It's like they just spread them out. They get a bunch of, you know, open opportunities for their wide receivers. These guys can make plays. And if they can do that, I just don't – I don't know. It's, a, it's an intriguing matchup for sure. And, like, you know, you, you look at what we do analytically with Steven um, on the website. This is Oklahoma per the analytics – is more expected to win Bedlam than they are down in Fort Worth this weekend. Would I? Would you believe that? No. I don't know why that is, but it, it's. I think it has a lot to do with success rate and it, the analytics of college football is freaking. It gets it gets weird sometimes. But this is this is the best part about our relationship because I'm. It's just the last thing I look at, right? I mean, it's if I can't figure it out or come up with a narrative myself, I'll start, you know, asking those questions to you or Chisholm or, you know, some one of these guys in my life that that has grown up in this analytical, this numbers world. If you can find numbers for anything now, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is a, a significant. I mean, that's unbelievably surprising. It's it's it doesn't make much sense at all. No, but it's like fifty. OU's expected fifty three percent to win this game. This wow. weekend, and then fifty six percent against Bedlam and, and Norman at home. Yeah, it, it. I think again. Wow. That whenever I I say what I say, and then Stephen comes up with these numbers, mm-hmm. like the way Oklahoma played, like that was their worst offensive performance in Lincoln Riley since he got to Oklahoma in twenty fifteen down in Texas at OU Texas or conference play at least the worst conference offensive offensive performance. That's crazy. Um, yards per play were down. Yards per carry were down. You know, they ran the ball better, but, you know, all those things. It's, yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation. And then you talk about, you know, I'm trying to pull up just at least one of the graphs, but it's, uh, yeah, there you go. See, 54% TCU and then 57% Oklahoma State. That's crazy. 61% on the road in Morgan. So, what did you call it? What what do you got this weekend? I, I have, I have TCU, like, 31-30, Third, it's going to be close. Oh boy! Yeah, I, I, you, you talk about Spencer and the turnovers. Like mm-hmm. that's my biggest. You're going up against the secondary 
Like, our Darius Washington's not playing as well as he did a year ago. Um, the guy that was on him and, according to Pro Football Focus, they had the two best safeties returning in the country in any conference. And it was uh, Washington and Trevin Morick. But those guys aren't playing near the level they were at a year ago, but this is still a really talented secondary. Um, number 20 pops up. I don't know what his name is, um, but he pops up on tape quite a bit. And then, you know, they, they just really need to get more production out of uh, – Garrett Walla in the middle. If that if their linebacker can play well, um, you look at what Ty Summers was brought to TCU the last couple years. If they get a linebacker that can play well, that can fill, that can scrape over a lineman coming up to the second level. I mean, he hasn't been able to do that, and I think that's been a big problem for them this year. Um, but if they can really just get him to play well this weekend, they, this Mathis kid off the edge is really good. Corey Bethley, you heard me say on air on Monday. Right. Um, a guy that Oklahoma recruited very hard at the end, and I think he's a big. He, he's going to be an NFL guy um, before it's all said and done this year. So it's just I don't know. I can't, maybe I'm talking myself into them losing no, so much to no, Oklahoma I, losing. I, I just it's it's such an intriguing matchup from the aspect of Oklahoma hasn't did they were not able to corral Ellinger a week ago. Right. Max Duggan's a much more athletic runner. We saw that in Norman on his long touchdown run um, last year. So. It's 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 a it's a tough matchup for me just from the aspect of I don't know what Oklahoma is going to be able to do when Spencer Rattler turns it over and when Max Duggan um, gets loose I just I, I have no confidence. So I I'm I'm gonna go um, I I don't know that the the TCU offense from what I've seen um, and and I I get what you're saying as far as Oklahoma's defense in in particular like you can you should expect TCU's offense to have more success than they typically would because of the way Oklahoma's defense is set up and the way that they're playing and some of the some of the issues they have, especially in that secondary. I I just don't know that this won't be the best offensive performance they have this year, right? Um, and re, and maybe not from a statistical standpoint, but I mean just a simple: we're able to run the football, we're going to throw these, you know, a bunch of ten yard plays. And we're just going to move up and down the field. You know, I think you're looking at a 35-point performance from Oklahoma. But I think you're looking at maybe even a 42-point performance. But you're looking at a bunch of long, like, 10-play drives. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what you have to do with this Gary Patterson defense. Like, you can't take more than you're being offered. Mm-hmm. And if you can just keep yourself in check and do those things, you're going to have success. And it just you just play keep away, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. So, to me, this is probably a – this is a 42 – um, you know, if you probably a 42 35 or 42 28 type game, I think Oklahoma wins pretty handily. I think they're nine point favorites, uh, coming into no, is it down? Five, it, so I tweeted that out as it like, what would Oklahoma open up as, oh, as yeah. a nine and a half? They right. actually opened as a five. Okay, it. there you go. Yeah, it's yeah, I think they cover. I, I had a uh, person that covers TCU mm-hmm. texted me Monday or Sunday night when the lines came out, and he said, I just hammered Oklahoma minus five and a half or minus five. <laughs> they have no confidence they're winning right. this game. Yeah. But, and I, I mean, and look, he, the other thing that's interesting, Keegan, is there's blood in the water, right? B- playing an Oklahoma team that's lost games, I've never done that. Wrap your head around that. That's true. You know what I mean? I've never, I've, I don't think I've done, maybe one year they lost to Texas before they played Oklahoma State. But it's not something that happens often. So for an opposing team to be playing a Oklahoma team with two two, I mean, there's blood in the water. Like that's your your confidence level probably a little higher, uh, especially after you know it's a Kansas State and it's an Iowa State that won. Those TC doesn't look at those teams and think we're not as good as they are. 
right? It's not like Texas showed up and beat them with a bunch of NFL players. I mean, you're talking some average teams mm-hmm. who beat Oklahoma this year. So if that had anything as far as that would go in your favor, uh, it would be that, that TCU takes the field with, you know, feeling themselves a little bit, uh, feeling like this is their opportunity to get one against the big bad Sooners. I, I, and another thing, too, and you'll get what I'm saying, I think TCU is closer to being 3-0 and than Texas. They're both 1-2 and in the conference. I think TCU is closer to being 3-0 and than Texas is in terms of Texas should not have won that game in Lubbock. They played like absolute dog shit down at the Cotton Bowl. And then TCU, if you you know really watch this game, they have a, Kansas State has a pick six, and TCU gave up like four big plays. <laughs> Sounds weird what happens when game against Chris Kleiman and right. Kansas State. By the way, unbelievable. He's going to be. They're going to be scary here in like three years. They've got this corner. There's the way they keep that coach that long. They just extended. I mean, yeah, you're right, but they're, they just extended yeah. him. Um, they've got this number six, this Justin Gardner dude at corner. I don't know. We didn't talk about him enough from Kansas State. 6'2", oh, 200 yeah. pounds, longer than... Just a player. Yeah, Juco guy. Just, like, why isn't... Why aren't all these big schools coming after the guys that Kansas State get? Right. But to back to, to the TCU and Oklahoma playing, it's... Look back, I started really following college football in Oklahoma, like, in 2010. Right. So, 2011 happened, 2012 happened. Right. 2013. 20, 2013 was nuts. Then 2014 happened. So, it, it is weird... I've seen how things can waterfall if, and, and it's not the norm. I know it's not the norm, but this is kind of what I remember. I don't, and then the leadership, I think that's the last question. Where's the leadership on this team? Right. Cause you heard Alex Grinch say that. And I, I remember him saying in the press conference and Chisholm replayed it Monday. A lot of people were pointing towards Pat Fields in that conversation. I think that was a lot of more of 44 and 23. Right. Cause I, I think that there's something to be said about leaders being built in college football and, winter workouts and spring ball. And it's the guy that's picking up his teammates uh, in summer conditioning. And, you know, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. The coach has got you outside just dying in the heat. You know, those, th- those are when your leaders are, are built and forged. I think the, the ability to make plays in game obviously is a, is a huge part of those. Your best players are your leaders. Uh, there's no doubt, but there's less focus on, like those guys are able to lead even when they don't have their best game. Like, now it's all predicated on who's playing the best, essentially, right? Like, because there isn't a relationship you feel like that has been built through the struggles of what a college football year is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 365, you know, and it, there's a lot of things that this group has just missed out on, and that's every team in college football. I get it. But there's just a lot that uh, you, you feel like goes into that leadership conversation, and with each and every game, those guys should start rearing their their heads. And if they, if they don't, that's on those coaches who are recruiting guys that didn't have that ability. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you, you're, that's part of the recruiting game. You're looking for guys that fit. You're looking for guys that will lead. You're looking for future cornerstones of your program, not only just physically, but mentally, right. And verbally. And if they don't have that guy right now, I mean, I can't, I, I just don't know how you could be in that situation. It's, it's like what Grinch said a year ago. If your alpha needs to be your leader on the right. Kenneth Murray, right. Boy, is he playing good in the NFL too. He is. Um, but Kenneth Murray a year ago, and then, you know, you think it would be Creed. And when he's not playing his best, it's right. hard to hold. And I, it, but from, even, that, even from that center position, though, like that's just not one. He's Creed is a, as a leader of that team. But, you know, that, there's that quarterback role. There's that Mike linebacker role. There's a, a you know, strong safety role that tends to just carry more weight. Because you know, mm-hmm. those guys are making – Creed's making plays, but he's not making plays that directly impact the scoreboard. 
right? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the difference. And you know, I I I led them my football team along with a bunch of guys on my offensive line. Where would I would have called leaders, um, but it was Josh Fields and you know Rashawn Woods and those guys that we were looking to for you know those moments of get, get it together. We've got this, you know. I mean, and that's what it comes down to. So I don't know. Oklahoma is interesting. How I, long how long did you play at Oklahoma State again? I was there from two thousand to two thousand four. So you know you're two thousand four, two thousand five. You know you're a part of what Les Miles is one of two coaches that have beaten Oklahoma in his first two years. Oh yeah, is that not insane? It is. Um, and let me tell you so something. So to your to your credit, I have no idea about that Oklahoma back in that day. Right, that's a whole. You know, you step on the field with them back then, and there were like eight NFL dudes on the team, like on on the field with you. Yeah, like I, eight of them. I couldn't imagine blocking Tommy Harris. The d- disaster. Played a. You don't even see the position. He played four eye. <laughs> he didn't even play. He didn't play a three technique. He played a four eye mm-hmm. lined up on the inside eye of that tackle and just harassed people. Just a disaster. <laughs> um, we got to hit Oklahoma State real quick, as I, you know. We, the Sooners are always going to be the biggest conversation in the state of Oklahoma, uh, and you're going to hear during the football season a lot of Sooner talk, a lot of Dallas Cowboy talk uh, from me on this podcast. But my alma mater is probably playing in one of the biggest games of the weekend as they take on the Iowa State Cyclones. Well, why is this a big game? Well, because Oklahoma State hasn't really played anyone in a while uh you know the first three opponents of the of the season with west virginia tulsa and uh, a kansas team that needs to be relegated into a different league uh it's it's you know to think that oklahoma state is the number six team in the country right now is is pretty astounding i am hoping in all my heart that they look like a number six team uh this weekend against iowa state but it, it just seems very unlikely can they win that game and not look like a number six team? That's my question. I don't think they're. I don't think they're top a top ten football team. I would agree to that, but I don't the, think Iowa State's any good. I also good you, right. You just don't know, right? You just don't know. COVID has made it difficult for me to evaluate football teams, and I I find myself narrowing you know narrowing in on on who they are, and then something totally different happens. You know what I mean? Like it's just a. It's been difficult. Um, this year. So, I don't know. As far as Oklahoma State goes, this is not the team that you and I cover by any means. But I do think Gundy is great at damage control. That offensive line will look better than they probably actually are. Uh, I think it's Spencer Sanders for the remainder of the season. I think you add the additional run game to that offense, and they get real vicious if he's accurate with his deep ball. And I think that defense is going to travel and could be one of your top two defenses in, in, in this league this year. What does that mean for college football? Not a damn thing. But as far as the Big 12 is concerned, is Oklahoma State potentially Big 12 championship caliber? Maybe. Defensively. Defensively. Maybe they are, you know. Put this defense with that 2017 offense. Right. Oh, yeah. Good night. They, you know, this is, they're one of those teams this year, if they can just get this offensive line to play at a, like an average above average level, there's, I mean, Tylen Wallace. If he gets a one-on-one, he's going to win. Right. Um, you hand the ball. I know El, the Brown kid, not Chuba, but the other one. He has been unbelievable this year. Right. Um, but in ter- terms of this weekend, I'm not impressed with Iowa State. Like a lot of people in the Big Twelve and covering them are like, though, yeah, they're going to you know make the Big Twelve championship game, win this league. Like I don't have, I mean. I mean, you look at the Oklahoma game. Oklahoma makes six more tackles. I've said this before. If Oklahoma makes four more tackles, two from Patrick Fields in the backfield and two from Buki that he got juked out on right. in coverage. If those tackles are made, Oklahoma wins that game by 14. Right. Oklahoma State's defense is a little bit better. Oklahoma's, I mean, uh, Harvey Peel is a 
dude on the back end. Yeah, uh, they got players. They, they got, got guys. The Rodriguez kid is a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Omen. Uh, yeah. Not going to say his last name because I don't want to butcher it that bad. But I mean, they, they got sideline sideline guys, and then yeah, Trace Ford to the mix, who's going to be one of your top tier defensive ends in the country in a couple of years. Would Oklahoma year? take Cameron Murray and Israel Antoine? You know what I'm saying? Like right. those are big time players in the interior too. They would definitely take Ford. Mm, yeah, they would. If in you could heartbeat. put Ford and Benito on the same side yeah. on the same defensive line. Yeah. I mean, they would definitely take that kid. So they, they've got guys. They, they really do. I mean, I'd like Oklahoma state this weekend. Um, you know, the only thing that that concerns me is this is the first real offense they're going to see. And I think that Iowa State is going to be a little bit better than what we saw against Oklahoma. That kid is – Purdy's gaining a little confidence. And if this is a loss for OSU, it comes when that kid just lights them on fire because they haven't played a quarterback all year long. That's what, I, that's, that's what I've been telling people. Brock Purdy's going to have to play like an NFL quarterback this weekend. Right. If that happens, Oklahoma State loses. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree a thousand percent. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. Neither do I. He's, he's been – he is – how do I say this? He has gone the Sam Ellinger route. He showed a lot of promise as a freshman, flashes as a sophomore, right. and then now is just inconsistent and doesn't make all the throws that he was making, you know, could show he could make a couple years ago. So, and then, def, you know, Oklahoma State defensively, like, I have, you know, Oklahoma was in the backfield the entire game. Right. Like, that, there's no reason Oklahoma State should not just be getting Agreed. after Agreed. 100%. Brock Purdy. And, you know, credit, a lot of people were... I know I made a joke about my Gundy and the hiring your sitch based was off fantastic. Google based off Google it. yesterday. However, a lot of people gave him crap for the hiring the defensive coordinator from Duke. That guy can coach. Yeah, he's uh he's really I mean, since Texas last year, when I, I wanted them fired because it was just that bad of a performance. I mean, just miserable. Game uh, plan the whole nine yards. About two games after that, he figured something out and has been just unbelievable since. Um, that group understands the defense. They know it. They 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 look free in it. Uh, you know, they rarely make mistakes. It's been a pretty incredible transition. I got the pokes this weekend, uh, and probably by a decent margin, right? Sanders is playing? Yeah. I, I would take Oklahoma State there. I think they're three, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Yeah, I, I would take them. I'd take them on the line for sure. Like, I think they win by a touchdown. I mean, yeah. it's going to be <laughs> – like I said, is it is it going to look like the number six team winning a football game? Probably, Probably not. not. Right. But are they going to? Can they win? Will they win? Yes. Like. Yeah. I I don't. And then that that's the that's the way it plays in Oklahoma's favor. Oklahoma, I I know I I think Stephen or the analytics guy said that actually Oklahoma State you need Iowa State winning this weekend to get. I don't think it's right. I think Oklahoma State from a tiebreaker perspective, because like if Iowa State loses this weekend. They're not going to hold up against Texas' defensive line either. Right. Now, and I need to, I know where people probably already skipped the this part because it's done with Oklahoma, but <laughs> I need to give you, you a little credit back to you and everybody that said something. Texas' defensive line is better than I thought they were. Oh, yeah. That, that Collins kid that's a freshman yeah. is going to be a freak. I Absolutely. mean, Taquan Graham played well. Yeah. Um, they, so they do have a really good defensive line and maybe take some pause from stuff that I'm saying but about Oklahoma's offensive line, but if – Iowa State can't deal with Oklahoma State this weekend. I don't know how they're dealing with Texas. Oh, and they won't. Yeah, and there's no chance. So there's right. there's your two losses right there, and then you have to play Kansas State as well, who is playing like one of the most disciplined assignment sound teams in the country this year, which is no shock. So I I'm just not sold on Iowa State. I think Oklahoma State can Oklahoma State's going to probably make the Big Twelve Championship game, um, but I think it's going to be a conversation between them and them them and Oklahoma and probably Kansas State down the line to see who ends up. Getting in, I think Iowa State could lose, you know, two to three more games. I don't expect them to win this week in a while. I just, I am, I'm so down on Brock Purdy. Right. It's, 
he's struggled. But, man, he's got a cannon. I mean, just got a rifle on him and just doesn't know how to use the darn thing. Yeah, he he just – well, you, I heard you say this, and this was a really good point. What good team have you ever seen that hasn't had a good offensive line? Yeah, it doesn't happen. No. Right. I mean, LSU's offensive line last year. If you go look at what those guys are doing in the NFL right now, there's one of them that are starting as a as a rookie. Right. The rest of them are not playing. Right. And you look at Oklahoma's 2017-2018 offensive line. Like, Ben Powers played a couple weekends ago, played well. But for the most part, Orlando Brown's playing. And then he was 2017. He didn't play with Cody Ford. Right. Bobby Evans isn't playing yet. I know he's behind a Hall of Famer left tackle in Whitworth down there um, with the Rams. But – just because these guys aren't turning into NFL players and elite NFL players, that unit was really freaking good. Absolutely. And that unit, 100%. Yeah. And it's just like you don't need really talented NFL first-rounders everywhere on the offensive line. Right. Which the fact that Oklahoma is getting to a point, you've heard me talk about recruiting with Oklahoma's offensive line. They're about to have five five stars That's across crazy. the board with Beanbow. But, yeah, I mean, they uh, – but to finish it up, Oklahoma State – I, their, their offensive line, if they can get just a pulse out of them each game. Right. I mean, they've got a good, as good a shot as anybody. I mean, heading into Norman, would I pick them to win that game? Probably no, not. Right. Um, I mean, your I mean, whole Gundy, Gundy, yeah. Yeah, your whole Gundy not yeah. looking Lincoln Riley in the eye thing's hilarious. It's truth. <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's just, the, I don't know why he has such a problem. I right. really don't. Yeah, it's, it's bewildering. All right, so you got TCU. I got Oklahoma. And we both got the pokes. Both got the pokes. Yeah. And if it's Oklahoma, I'd have TCU. I'll stay with 3431. All right, man. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's always fun. Have a good one. The Sam Mays Podcast is a production of P Squared Media.